What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Marty Time Brews, where I'm your host, John Delray. You know, a little different setup today. Wanted to futz with some settings and stuff, especially getting ready for the watch party on Sunday. So, chose to take that backdrop today. But we are talking Packers versus Falcons. Week two matchup coming up this Sunday. Falcons coming off of a victory of their own in week one, beating the Carolina Panthers 24 to 10. They do have fewer injury concerns than the Packers do at this point, and I'll get to that in just a minute. But overall, these are two relatively similar teams. Both of the young quarterback who's officially been handed the reins this offseason, both with a certain amount of star power on both sides of the ball as well. We're going to get to all of that in just a minute, as well as my prediction for the week to score for Packers versus Falcons. First, though, let's hit that injury update for the Green Bay Packers. Um, it's longer than you'd like, and it's a little bit more star-studded than you'd like as well. First of all, Christian Watson did practice today. He was a limited participant, still a practice, still something, still in the right direction, but nonetheless still questionable with that hamstring injury. Aaron Jones, the most talked about injury this week with a hamstring problem of his own. Apparently today he stretched and was in a helmet, talked to trainers, was in a, hel like, was in a helmet the whole time. And then all of a sudden the team went out to the field and Jones didn't. He was a did not practice today. Now, does Aaron Jones need to practice on a Friday in order to play on Sunday? No, I do believe Matt LaFleur is going to give him every bit of confidence every second of time to get himself ready for the game. It's still less than ideal that he's not practicing on Friday. It doesn't necessarily bode well for his chances. So I think the Packers are just crossing their fingers at this point that Aaron Jones may still be able to play. Quay Walker, inside linebacker with the big pick six last week when he looked like a running back, he is still questionable as well as he's still a part of the concussion protocol. He did get in a limited practice today. That's the second day in the row for him, but nonetheless, not yet advanced enough to say that he can certainly play. And then David Bakhtiari, questionable as well. He's probably going to get a questionable tag for every game for the rest of his career. But Call Me Matub on Twitter has been pointing out something very, very interesting, and that's that the field, the turf at MetLife Stadium that Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles on last week happens to be the same turf utilized in Atlanta. And Dave Bakhtiari is incredibly outspoken about this topic. He does not want to play on turf. Whenever he does play on turf, he has a much harder time recovering for the next week. So is he going to, there's at least a chance is what I'm going to say. Is he going to go this week? Maybe not. Like if they're going to sit David Bakhtiari out for any type of game for rest, for prevention, it could be a game like this on turf. It's Atlanta week two earlier in the season. I at least could see it. And it's something I really hadn't given a lot of thought, but eh, it's possible. I'm not saying it will happen, but it's possible. This is one game. David Bakhtiari sits out and he's got the questionable tag to match. Now, if Jones can't go, do expect a lot more A.J. Dillon. But they've also made mention of Emmanuel Wilson getting his chance this week as well. We'll get into that in a little bit. For the Falcons on the injury report, Troy Anderson, uh, linebacker, edge player for the Falcons. He did have three pressures last week against Carolina, but he is out with a concussion of his own. Jeffrey Okuda, the corner, questionable with a foot injury. Corderell Patterson, their running back slash just offensive weapon, he is fully back and will be playing, making his season debut this coming Sunday. So let's take a look at the Atlanta Falcons. They finished last year 7-10. and 10. 
But like I mentioned, they're off to a 1-0 start after beating the Carolina Panthers 24-10 last week. They're coached by Arthur Smith, who's entering year three. Both of his years thus far in Atlanta have led to 7-10 and records. Offensive coordinator Dave Rigaud and defensive coordinator Ryan Nielsen. But a new member of that coaching staff, who certainly warrants mention for us here in Green Bay, would be assistant head coach Jerry Gray. Yes, the former secondary coach of the Green Bay Packers was hired by the Atlanta Falcons this offseason to be an assistant head coach and just overall defensive supervisor from what I could glean. So Jerry Gray, the, the, uh, the place of friction with defensive coordinator Joe Barry in Green Bay. I know a lot of that has been swept under the rug. I still believe it had a major impact on last year. The tension between the two has been well reported on. Jerry Gray has found himself in Atlanta, now an assistant head coach. The Green Bay Packers will be seeing him again on Sunday. What did the Atlanta Falcons do this offseason? How is this team different than that team last year that finished 7-10? and 10? Well, they had money. Let's just say that. They had money this offseason, and they chose to spend it. Massive signings on the defensive side of the ball and at all three phases. On the defensive line, they added Calais Campbell, David Anyamata, and Bud Dupree, already joining Grady Jarrett for a pretty good up front for the Falcons' defense. They also added Caden Ellis from the New Orleans Saints, linebacker, who actually led the Falcons with seven tackles last week. And then in the secondary, perhaps the biggest signing of them all, they signed safety Jesse Bates from the Cincinnati Bengals. He had two interceptions last week. He is one of the premier cover safeties in the National Football League and showed his impact on a defense right away last week. The thing to know about this Falcons defense, and it has truly improved at every level thus far. And week one, they did have an impressive showing. Yes, it was against Carolina. Yes, it was against a rookie quarterback in his first week. Okay. You got to play who's on your schedule. I've said that several times about Green Bay this week, and Atlanta certainly looked the part of a high-quality defense last week. Offensively, they didn't have as much work to do this last offseason. They did retain a couple of their offensive linemen, including right guard Chris Lindstrom. But beyond that, the much more impactful additions for the Falcons offensively came through the draft. In the second round, they picked Matthew Bergeron, who now is starting at left guard for them. And then, of course, in the first round, they chose Bijan Robinson, running back from Texas, the most hyped rookie this year for sure, especially in the fantasy football world. But last week, he showed why. An incredibly agile athlete who's very tough to bring down with skills as both a runner and a receiver. Immediately, one of Atlanta's top weapons in their game plan. Now, that's not to say that they didn't do any free agent work offensively. They did bring in Scotty Miller, wide receiver from Tampa Bay. Yes, that's Scotty Miller, if you remember that name. And they also signed from Vegas, Mac Hollins. So some wide receiver reinforcements for them this offseason. Offensively, the Falcons are led by their three-headed monster at running back. Bijan Robinson, superstar in the making. Tyler Algier, their workhorse, who had 70 yards rushing and two touchdowns last week. And then Corderell Patterson, who, yes, admittedly has lost a step. He's not the athlete that he used to be. He still is a more than usable weapon in a very varied and chaotic at times Atlanta offense. In terms of passing the ball, they do not quite have the caliber of weapons that the Chicago Bears trotted out last week, at least in my opinion. They do have two incredibly good wide receivers or tight ends, whatever you want to call Kyle Pitts at this point, but they do have tight end Kyle Pitts and wide receiver Drake London, both more than capable of making a large play if 
their quarterback can get them the ball. Like I'm saying, Drake London did not have a catch last week. Kyle Pitts had two. And I compared them to the Bears' weapons for a number of different reasons. One, Green Bay played the Bears last week. But two, it all depends on the quarterback. The Atlanta Falcons also don't like to throw the ball down the field. In fact, Ritter had 18 pass attempts last week. One of them was over 20 yards. Last year, in the playing time that he had towards the end of the year when he started several games for the Atlanta Falcons, a whopping 8% of Ritter's throws went over 20 yards in the air. So keep this in mind, too. Last week, going against Carolina, the average depth of target for the Atlanta Falcons was 3.2 yards. Okay, If you need some context in that, keep in mind what Jordan Love did last week. Did he have some deep throws? Yeah. But would I say that the Packers led this all-out air raid offense last week? No. And Jordan Love's average depth of target was still 10.2. Three times that of Desmond Ritter last week. So, also of note for Desmond Ritter, only one of those 18 pass attempts actually traveled to the left side of the field. One to the left, 11 to the middle, and six to the right. This is a guy, an offense, that works the short and intermediate center and right part of the field on darn near every single dropback. But there's one more reason to compare this offense to the Bears, and that is the offensive line had a rough opening week against the Panthers. While the pure pressure numbers for the Panthers weren't all that high, it's not like the Packers versus Bears, going back and watching, it was incredibly evident that the Atlanta line was struggling to keep up, especially with Derek Brown, the interior defensive lineman for the Panthers. Chris Lindstrom, who signed one of the largest contracts ever for an offensive line this offseason, he had a PFF pass pro grade of 16.7. That's Jake Hansen territory, y'all. He had a miserable game trying to block for the pass last week. And you can expect that Green Bay, with their new athletic defensive line, even their new techniques with stunting all over the place, are going to look to take advantage of an offensive line that struggled mightily against Carolina in week one. Defensively for the Atlanta Falcons. Like I mentioned earlier, Bates recorded two picks last week, and he truly is the brightest star on this Atlanta defense. When asked specifically about those two interceptions, Bates, as well as the rest of the coaches and everyone explained that it was film study that led them to know where Bryce Young was going to throw the ball. That's not exactly unexpected for a rookie in his first start, but it's still notable considering that Green Bay has their own youngish quarterback behind center. Other than the secondary, the strength is getting after the passer. Even without Troy Anderson, they still have Bud Dupree and all of those large names on the defensive line. The Falcons last week logged 26 pressures against Carolina. And it was led by both Daniel Anumata and Grady Jarrett. The interior of Green Bay will again be tested. So what are the keys to victory for the Green Bay Packers against the Atlanta Falcons? Number one, win in the trenches. There's a massive key last week, massive key this week. Probably the number one key all year long for the Packers. And they have the ability to do it almost every single week. If the Falcons are going to get pressure, it's probably going to be through the Josh Myers, John Runyon Jr. portion of the line. Lucky for us, that happens to be John Runyon Jr. and Josh Myers' strengths is pass protection. So offensively, they need to protect against that defensively, they need to make the Atlanta offensive line look just like it did last week against Carolina. 
offensively for the Packers, key number two, it's really hard to say what they need to do. Because look, if Aaron Jones is out there, it's one thing. If Christian Watson is out there, it's a different thing. If both of them are out there, if neither of them out there, you get what I'm saying. The Packers probably two best offensive skill players might be out for this game, or it could be some combination, or it could be both are there. We just don't know. And whatever shape the offense takes is going to greatly be determined by their presence. I mentioned last week that if Christian Watson was out, expect Luke Bunks to give up the seam, expect some Jaden Reed still getting their speed down the field. And it did happen at times. But now, if you take Aaron Jones out of the equation too, suddenly the offense begins to look different. Frankly, it begins to look a little bit more like Atlanta's. Run the ball, short passes. Pull everything in just a little bit and be more efficient because you don't quite have the speed to match airing it down the field. Yeah, sure, you still do have Reed and Musgrave, but it really gets to be a different game when the threat of Aaron Jones from the backfield is eliminated as well. But one thing is certain, Jesse Bates is an excellent coverage safety. AJ Terrell is one of the top, I'd call him alpha corners in the NFL. So, if Love is going to have success in this game, it's because he's not telegraphing his throws. I've mentioned several times how Dan Orlovsky has done several specials on Jordan Love and where his eyes are going and how it's not where the ball is going. And that's excellent and very advanced, nuanced technique for a quarterback. Jordan Love is going to need that this week. It's not a luxury. It's not just a nice thing to pull out a cute little detail on film. Going against Terrell and Bates, it's a necessity. Jordan Love cannot have turnover-worthy plays against the Stars in Atlanta's secondary. That is probably the largest key. Matt LaFleur did help with that. We all know by this point that Matt LaFleur threw the kitchen sink at the Chicago Bears last week, pulling out whatever he wanted from the playbook. And when they were asked about it, Love and LaFleur, they've all mentioned how they threw a whole bunch of stuff on film last week, including a triple option and then one formation where they got three tight ends in the backfield it was it was insanity and they've mentioned how that makes it tougher for defenses to plan against them all year long coming up against atlanta hopefully that plan comes into fruition key number three also on the offensive side of the ball and this is kind of regardless of what happens at the running back position but they need to get them in a flow the other day about how realistically AJ Dillon needs more carries to be a downhill runner they need him to be. He's a grind amount runner and it's tough to get the engine revved up when you get three carries here and then two carries two quarters later. It's just the style of running back he is. Is that the most dynamic? No, but it's pretty clear that that's who he is at this point. Now if Aaron Jones is out of the game, they have a decision to make. Are they still going to operate the offense the exact same way, just giving Dylan more snaps, but still very much involving Emmanuel Wilson? Or if they again call up Patrick Taylor? Or do they make this a Dylan workhorse game and just give him all 25 carries and Emmanuel Wilson stays on the bench? Or who knows what may happen with Patrick Taylor getting called up from the practice squad? So there are decisions to be made. Regardless, though, they need to make their plan and stick with it. If A.J. Dillon is the type of runner who needs more carries, then you got to get him those carries in order to have a successful run game. Manuel Wilson is a bit of a mystery for both the Packers and the rest of the league. He certainly showed out in preseason. There's no doubt about that. Can he do it in the regular season? That remains to be seen. So how heavily do the Green Bay Packers game plan for that? Regardless, they need to have a plan. And of course, all of this is moot if Aaron Jones winds up playing. 
We just don't know yet. Key number four, the final key, and it's for defense. Keep him in front of you. I've been talking about how against the Chicago Bears, against such a mobile quarterback at Justin Fields, you got to keep everything in front of you. Well, Atlanta is structured so similarly to Chicago offensively, you got to do the same thing. Keep them in front of you. Don't let Bijan Robinson advance through multiple levels of your defense. He showed last week how problematic that can be for even a quality defense. It's bad. He got a lot of wiggle, if that's the way you want to refer to Bijan. Regardless, though, the Packers have to be a sure tackling team, and they have to know where the Atlanta offensive players are. I know that sounds overly simplistic, but it's true. Maybe they even drop the zones back a little bit farther. Maybe they're not as concerned about Ritter and Bijan as they were about Justin Fields taking off from the backfield. So maybe they drop it back a little bit farther. But regardless, this is still probably going to be a zone-based defense this week because the threat of Drake London and Kyle Pitts beating you over the top is essentially worth knowing that you can stop almost everything else that they do offensively. Force Atlanta to be what they obviously don't want to be and make them throw the ball down the field, which goes against every tendency that they've shown with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. Do that, and you just may be able to stifle this Atlanta offense, no matter how athletic and talented they are. At the end of the day, I would expect this to be a closer contest than week one wound up being. I think the Packers still put up their points, assuming that they can control Atlanta's pass rush. And I still think that they can bottle up Atlanta's offense, although Atlanta is certainly going to get theirs. I'm not expecting that they're all of a sudden they're just going to stop Bijan Robinson every single play or that Tyler Algier isn't just going to be a problem running the ball. He's a hard runner. And that's eventually going to wear down the Packer defense. Kind of like a A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones relationship is supposed to be. But still, Green Bay should be able to overcome those things. And if they win the turnover battle, if they accomplish these keys, they should have another victory on the road to start the season. So let's go with Packers 31, Falcons 23. And the Green Bay Packers are coming home 2-0. and oh. Thanks so much for joining me here on the Barty Time Brews. I'll be back Sunday for the watch party. It's going to be just me to start, just lonely. Little old Mesa, come join me for the watch party. Let's watch Packers versus Falcons together this coming Sunday. Hope you have an absolutely fantastic weekend until I see you again. And as always, Go Pack Go!